Well, I want to share just a little bit. I'm not going to take a long time because this is the, the last E of the word free, and it has to do with eternal worship and what takes place. And uh, we talked about Christ and what He did yesterday, but tonight I want to talk more about the ministry of the Holy Spirit and His part in our life. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, if you have your Bibles, look there with me. In verse 15, the Bible says, And also the Holy Spirit adds His testimony to us in confirmation of this. Having said, verse 16, This is the agreement, the testament, the covenant, that I will set up and conclude with them after these days, says the Lord. You know you're getting down to the last days when we have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit because as we said last night, a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. On the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God was poured out on the earth. Yes. That's right. That's Whenever Jesus Christ was crucified and He gave up the ghost, the Bible says the, the, the curtain that covered the Holy of Holies split from the top to the bottom, exposing the Holy of Holies. Mm -hmm. And it was a symbol saying that we all have entrance into yes. the presence, Amen. the power, yes. and the glory of God. Amen. That Amen. that fire, that cloud will come and indwell every believer, and we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We become the temple of the presence of God. We are the tabernacle. Right. Come on. We are the carriers of the glory of God. Amen. And wherever we go, whatever right. we're doing, you can have church right there. That's right. That's right. Because He is in you. Turn yes. your neighbor and say, He is in you. He's in you. He is in you. He said, I will set up and conclude with them after these days says the Lord, I will imprint my laws upon their hearts and I will inscribe them on their minds and on their innermost thoughts and their understanding. That's why the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the Spirit-filled life is so important. Mm -hmm. The more you release the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that praying in other tongues, the more you have understanding. Yes. Thank God for the Word of God. The Logos... Word of God. It's important. It's powerful. But whenever that Logos becomes rhema in your life, in other words, when you read it and it jumps off the page and it becomes life to you, it's a different deal. He then goes on to say, verse 17, and their sins and their law breaking I will remember no more. When Jesus comes to live and we ask Him to forgive us of our sin, then He forgives us. He doesn't cover it. He washes it away. That old guy through the baptismal waters, we bury that person. And when you come out of that water, you have the power and the authority of God on the inside of you to live a victorious life. Not bound by the sin and the things that held us before the new birth. In Ephesians chapter 1, if you look at verse 14, it says, That Spirit, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, 
God the Holy Spirit. He's not an it. He's not a thing. He's not a fish on the back of your car. He is God in the earth. He is the guarantee of our inheritance. The first fruits. The pledge. The foretaste. That's why <laughs> for my wife and I, we're rehearsing for eternity. When we started the ministry back in, in 1999, I, I copyrighted. You know that circle with the R inside it? The fra- trademarked. Rehearsing for eternity. One day I'm going to write a book. We're going to write a book. Rehearsing for eternity. That's what we're doing. We are rehearsing. When we come and we worship, we are practicing. It's our practice session. And I'm not going to get to heaven and not know what to do. There are going to be some people that came and watched the show. And they're not going to know that that's part of our life in Christ in glory. He is the Son. And we're going to worship Him. People say, well, what are you going to do? I don't know. I don't know if they have golf courses up there and all the fun. I don't know about it. But one thing I do know we will do. We're going to worship. We'll be on our face for the first million years just saying thank you. And then the next million years, I might make it up to my knees. Why? Because he is the glory thereof. Jesus is. The Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance, the first fruits, the pledge and foretaste, the down payment on our heritage. I thank God for my earthly name. I have a heritage. But it cannot compare. The only reason that my earthly heritage has any value is because they carry the glory of God. They carry the glory of God. They love His presence. We love His presence in anticipation of its full redemption and our acquiring complete possession of it. We're passing through. There's just, we see through a glass darkly. And one day we will know as we are known. And it'll all be to the praise of His glory. The Holy Spirit, He restores us to sonship. You cannot even be born. They said, no, no, Jesus does that. You can't even be born again without the Holy Spirit quickening your heart, revealing Jesus to you. It's not either or. It's both hands. But the Spirit brings restoration to sonship. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. People say, well, I like that being born again, but all that tongue talking and all that crazy stuff, I'm not sure. Let me just tell you, get used to it. Because your life in Christ will never be what it needs to be without it. 
You know, when I first met Pastor Rodney and he came to our church in Rockwall, Texas, I'd been a good old Baptist boy, hadn't been filled with the Holy Ghost very long. And I mean, people started running the building and, and people were shouting and laughing. And I mean, crazy stuff was going on. I'm talking about it was loud. People rolling up the stairs, not down the stairs. But every time he opened the scripture and he declared the word of God, I went, I believe that. I don't doubt that at all. That's, that's, I'll believe that. And then he gets down to about 1130 at night. And then he gives an altar call and two or three hundred people. I can't remember. Many, many, many come and give their heart to Christ. And I went, I think I like this guy. And after six weeks, two meetings a day. Man. Having spent hours on the carpet. I realized it's not Jesus and then the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost who reveals Jesus. And and you walk together as one. And then you understand the Father's love. That he would give us the Holy Spirit to live and to bring. To bring an understanding of sonship. That I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For the Spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery. To put you once more back under bondage like the law put them under. Proving you couldn't ever live up to it. But in Christ, he reveals to us, that's right, we cannot. But through him living through us, that we can be victorious and I can be an overcomer. It's not I, but Christ who lives in me. Who empowers me. Who brings my worship and makes it alive. Not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption. The spirit producing sonship in the bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father. You wonder why people have the joy? They know who their Father God is. Let me tell you something. If my Abba, Father, is anything like my earthly father, I'm going to love him all the more. Because I had a glorious, wonderful, earthly father. Did he have make mistakes? Yes. Feet of clay? Absolutely. What my dad did to me when I was growing up today would be called child abuse. And he always told me, son, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. I went, I don't know about that. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 16 says, The Spirit Himself testifies together with our own spirit. The more you pray in other tongues, your, your spirit man will come alive. And all the old stuff of your old life, I'm just telling you, one day you'll wake up and you'll go, that thing that I was struggling with, where'd it go? I didn't really pray about it. It's just not there anymore. My desire to please my heavenly Father even takes a precedent on what I want about me being pleased. Because a lot of the things we want and we, we do in the flesh, 
crutches that we hold on to, addictions that we have. It's because you don't believe your life in Christ can be better than that, that, that moment. But he's wanting to bring not a moment, but a lifetime. A lifetime of joy and peace. He testifies together. How do you know you're living the Spirit-filled life? The Holy Ghost is testifying with your own spirit. In other words, they're in agreement. You see, we talked about that when Adam fell. The first thing that they lost was their agreement with God, their unity with God. Then the husband and wife couldn't be with unity. And before even the first family got down to the third or fourth child, the first one had already killed his brother. The first family. We've come a long way, baby. The enemy is still trying to kill, still and destroy. But as a believer, a spirit-led believer, living and, and established in the covenant of God, knowing who you are in Him, and allowing the Spirit of God to work in your life, it bears witness with your own spirit. It doesn't fight against you. It works in communion with you. And if you're living in habitual sin, just say, Lord, I, I, I'm sorry. And ask the Lord to forgive you and allow that peace to come to your life. The Spirit Himself testifies together with our own spirit, assuring us that we are His children. And if we are His children, then we are His heirs also. Now, I, I could stay here for a long time. When you know who you are and you begin to tap into your inheritance, it's all over, baby. I don't care which side of the track you came from. When you have been grafted in to the body of Christ, all heaven is at your disposal. And heaven is not in lack. It's not, I mean, it, you know, I even get mad at people that say, well, let's just name it and claim it. Well, in a measure, it is. <laughs> Did you know my grandkids, when they come to my house, they don't act like they're second and third down the road down here. They come, and if anything in my house, they know they can have it, except if it's something that will hurt them. And I'll say, not today, but maybe when you're 18, 19, yeah, not a problem. The Lord knows what we need. And all we have to do is simply ask. According to the will of the Father. He wants to get it to you more than you want it. He wants to put in your hands what you need more, more than you want it. And if we are His children then we are his heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his inheritance with him. Only we must share his suffering if we are to share his glory. Oh, yeah. But what of that? So what? That's just Texan for what. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time this present life are not worth being compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us, in us, and for us, and conferred on us. Oh, my God. You're not as happy about that as I am. 
For even the whole of creation, all nature waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's sons to be made known. They wait for the revealing and the disclosing of their sonship. Hallelujah. Make sure I'm doing this the right way. The spirit-filled life on earth prepares us for eternity as eternal worshipers. Heavenly worship. Heavenly worship. Go to Revelation chapter 4. I told you when we started the week, we'd start in Genesis and we'd end in Revelation. Well, we're there. We're there. John the Revelator begins to speak. He said, after this, I looked and behold, there was a door standing open. This is Revelation 4 and verse 1. Chapter 4, verse 1. I'm sorry. Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. After this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard addressed me like the calling of a war trumpet, saying, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place in the future. And at once I came under the Holy Spirit's power. And behold, a throne stood in heaven, and one, that one right there is a big O, was seated on the throne. I wonder who that was. Mm-hmm. And the 24 elders, verse 10, skip down to verse 10. And the 24 elders, the members of the heavenly Sanhedrin, they instantly fell prostrate. <laughs> Before him who is sitting on the throne. And they worshiped him whose lives forever and ever, who lives forever and ever. And they throw down their crowns before the throne, crying out, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive the glory and the honor and the dominion. For you created all things. By your will, they were brought into being and were created. Now let's skip on over to chapter 5 and let's move down to verse 8. And we see some books that are open. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders of the heavenly Sanhedrin prostrated themselves before the Lamb. Each was holding a harp, a lute, or guitar. And they had golden bowls full of incense, fragrance, spices, and gums for burning, which are the prayers of the saints. And now they sing a new song. You have to understand something. Angels were created to obey the will of the Father and the will of His creation. A third of innumerable fell when Satan disobeyed God. And they are the fallen angels, they are the demonic spirits. That follows Satan and do his bidding. But even the angels that are in heaven itself. Those that are, are here we cannot see. They have a purpose. But they are not redeemed like you and I. 
They were not, you know, people when someone passes away, well, God got another angel. No, he didn't. He did not. You are made in the image of Almighty God. You have a soul. You were created in God's image. And you were made to worship him. And if you have been born again, you will pass from this life to the next. If you're alive and we're all alive, when the return of the Lord comes, then we're just going to transition from this earthly house to a glorified house. And those that have gone before us are going to catch up instantly, and we're all going to go together. And together forever we will be with the Lord. And there's some other things that are going to happen. But once we get through that thousand-year reign, there are going to be some other things that take place. But one of the things that will happen is we're going to sing a new song. And when we sing, all the angels, the innumerable of angels, will fold their wings and they will be silent. Because they cannot sing the song of the redeemed. You don't think your praise is powerful? It shuts the mouth of every angel that's ever been created. That means fallen angels as well. When you open your mouth, you begin to declare your dominion into this firmament, into this, this created realm. It's eternal. Some people think when they sing and the song and the, and the sound dies down that our voices just go away. No. You're, that, that wave just keeps on going. It just keeps on going. Oh, yeah. It doesn't hit the roof and bounce back down to the floor. It goes straight to the throne room of heaven. The Bible says it's a sweet sound to his ears, and it's a sweet smell to his nostrils. Your praise has power. It's eternal. And now, verse 9 there in chapter 5 of Revelation, and now they sing a new song saying, You're worthy to take the scroll and to break the seals that are on it. For you were slain, sacrificed, and with your blood you purchased men unto God from every tribe and language and people and nation. There will be no, none, black against white, green against blue, No prejudice. The black brother's my brother. The red brother's my brother. The white brother's my brother. And every other hue in between. If you know Jesus, you're my brother. If you don't, I still love you. We were created in the image of God. If we cut ourselves, we all bleed red. Verse 10, and you have made them a kingdom, a royal race. They ain't but one race. It's the kingdom of God, the people of God, the children of God. We're a royal race. Now, I know the world, you know, the thing about it is, is it doesn't matter. We can go all through the Word of God and we can see on this earth where the enemy tries to take one thing and he perverts it. The Aryan nation, a royal race. Not on your life. No, no. You'll stand before God 
And it won't be your color of your skin. It will be if you accepted Christ as your Lord and your Master. And if you did, He'll say, enter into your rest. If your name's in the Lamb's book of life, you're in. If it's not, you're not coming in. And you'll spend eternity absent. The worst thing about hell is not the fire. Worst thing about hell is not the smoke. The worst thing about hell is the absence of the glory of God. That would be hell. One moment outside the glory of God. Living a life without His touch with Him moving in our life. Knowing that glory in our life. That's the worst. The things I do do is not because I'm afraid I'm going to lose what I have. It's the fact that I don't want to live one moment without His presence on my life. That's why we live like we live. I cherish the touch of heaven on my life. And you have made them a kingdom, a royal race, and priests to our God, and they shall reign as kings over the earth. Verse 11, and then I looked and I heard the voices of many angels on every side of the throne and of the living creatures and the elders of the heavenly Sanhedrin. And they numbered 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying in a loud voice, you think it's loud? You think we got a sound system that's good and big? Yeah, let's be there whenever tens of thousands times tens of thousands and thousands of thousands begin to lift up praise unto God. You ain't never heard that loud at a Seahawks game. saying with a loud voice, deserving is the Lamb who was sacrificed to receive all the power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and majesty, glory, splendor, and blessing. And whenever you read between the lines and we say, I am blessed, that means everything Jesus got, we got. I, you can't, even if I don't know the words of a song, you can't keep me quiet in a chair. And I heard every created thing in heaven and on earth, under the earth, in hell, in the places of departed spirits, and on the sea, and all that is in it, crying out together to him who is seated. Every president, every leader, every dictator that's ever lived will bow. And they will bow their knee and they will declare, He is Lord. I don't care about their plans and what they're trying to do and what they're trying to connive behind the scenes. There will be a day when they will bow their knee to Almighty God and they will say, He is God. It will happen. To him who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb be ascribed the blessings and the honor and the majesty, the glory and the splendor, the power, might, and dominion forever and ever through the eternities of eternities. 
And then the four living creatures, they said this, Amen. 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 So we, we lent here on the earth. When you get these things in your belly, you then you lend your spirit to what's been said. And you start saying, I'm going to sing what they sing. Amen. And it changes. It changes the way it comes out of your mouth. Well, it's just a preliminary. Yeah, we're just going to sing a little while till the preacher gets here. No, it's not. If you know who you're singing to, if you know what you're singing about, it changes the atmosphere so that when the man of God does or the woman of God does step up to de deliver the word, the atmosphere is charged with the glory of God. We're going to sit down with Jesus, the bridegroom. Revelation 19 and verse 7. The Bible says, let us rejoice. And shout for joy. Yeah. People don't know what they're saying. The word rejoice... Boy, it's a deep, heavy word. It means to joy again. That's what it means. Rejoice. Joy again. I don't want to. You know what happened to me? My wife, she made me mad before I came to jail. Had a bad day. My boss chewed me out. I ain't rejoicing. Mm. But heaven is filled with rejoicing. Filled with praise. The Bible says that they began to celebrate and ascribe to him the glory and honor. For the marriage of the lamb has come. And his bride has prepared herself. You know, uh, see. You know you're just going to be tagging along, right? You didn't hear me, did you? I said, you know, you're just tagging along for the ride. When you get married, it ain't your day. It's her day. You do know that, right? Okay. Good. Now, listen. Apply that to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, he's the light thereof. He's our bridegroom, but it's our day. Come on, y'all. I'm not taking anything out against him. 
We wouldn't be there if it wasn't for Christ. But it's our day. I wouldn't miss it for the world. She has been permitted to dress in fine linen. He doesn't see our dirty, filthy rags. We've been forgiven. We bear that robe of righteousness proudly, humbly but proudly, dazzling in white. For the fine linen signifies, represents the righteousness, the right standing that we have in God. Just and godly living, deeds and conduct and right standing with God. God's holy people. It's our day. And then the angel said to me, write, it, write this down. Blessed, happy to be envied <laughs> are those who are summoned and invited and called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me further, these are the true words, the genuine and exact declarations of God. No more traveling. No more sleeping in another hotel bed. Not another day away from my grandbabies and my children. We'll all be there. We're just passing through, y'all. Some of y'all are looking at me like a calf at a new gate. You're going, I don't know what he's so happy about. I don't know why he's so excited. We're nearly done. Just two more chapters. You think I'm kidding. <laughs> Look at Revelation chap chapter 21, verse 1. Paul said, Then I saw a new sky, a new heaven, and a new earth. For the former sky and the former earth had passed away. It was no more. Don't get too comfortable down here. Because this is not your final home. And there no longer existed any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, all arrayed like a bride, beautiful, adorned for her husband. Then I heard a mighty voice from the throne, and I perceived its distinct words, saying, See, the abode of God is with men. And he will live in camp. He will tent among them. And they shall be his people, and God shall personally be with them and be their God. 
You know all that old way of living back under the old covenant. That's all passed away. Even when Christ came to give us new life, even that is passed away. And then the Bible says, this is a sobering thought. God says, then he said, I will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be anguish, sorrow, mourning, or grief. No more pain. No old conditions. No more former order of things because they're all gone. Whatever you have done for Christ, that's all that will have mattered. We will stand with that great cloud of witnesses when they stand before the throne of God. The great white throne judgment. There will be friends of ours. Why do we go to the streets? Because there will be friends of ours that stand before God and they will give an account for their lives. The ones that we thought about witnessing to, but because of whatever the situation, we said, well, maybe tomorrow and tomorrow never came. And whenever they, they, they say, I'm sorry, but I didn't know. He'll say, I'm sorry, but that day is past. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, because I don't know you. Your name is not in the book. And the death angel will come and cast them into the lake of fire. There's going to be weeping that day because there will be family members. There will be friends, acquaintances, people that we knew needed Christ. Many we witnessed to and shared, lived the life in front of. And they still said, no, not today. I'm not ready to do that Jesus thing. But once that's done, then he's going to wipe away all tears. It's going to happen. It's not to scare anybody. But it's going to happen. And he who is seated on the throne said, see, I make all things new. And then he looked. He said, record this. For these sayings are faithful, accurate, incorruptible, and trustworthy and true. And he further said to me, it is done. At that moment, even those that rejected Christ will have been judged and is done. Did you know that Christ has said that already once? Whenever he took his blood and he placed it on the mercy seat of Christ to redeem us. And he sat down at the right hand of the Father and he said, it's finished, it's done. I've done all I can do. Right now, he is our Savior. He is our King. He is our big brother. But one day, He will be our judge. And He is trustworthy and true. I say it like this. Our Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they keep great records. And we can put on the mask and we can hide 
And people can see us in church with our little halo. And then we go out and live like we want to in the world and do what we do behind, thinking that nobody knows. But our Heavenly Father, He sees. He's making a record. The beautiful thing about that record is when you ask Him to come into your heart and you ask Him to forgive you, He walks over here and He wipes the slate clean. When you stand before him, you may think in your mind, because he even knows your thoughts. Well, I remember that one thing I did. He said, oh, don't bring that up. That was washed away long ago. I don't see that. He said, further, he said this to me, it is done. I am the Alpha, of the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I myself will give water without price. From the fountain, springs of the living water. I thirst, he said. He was giving up his place at the right hand of the Father at the moment he gave his life. His Father's the one who raised him from the dead and gave him his life back. With that authority, he went into the depths of hell and he took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. When I worship, all it takes is a phrase, and my mind goes to racing with all that he's done for me. I can't help but praise him. Pastor Joe, why are you so passionate? Because I have a knowing of what he paid for me. Verse 22 of that chapter 21 says this, I saw no temple in the city for the Lord God omnipotent himself and the Lamb himself are the temple. And the city has no need of the sun nor the moon to give light to it. For the splendor and the radiant glory of God illuminates it. The Son Himself. You remember whenever Moses ascended the Mount of God to, to visit with God on the mountain. And God began to speak to Moses and he turned his face. He had to hide his face in the cleft of the rock because the brightness of God would have blinded him. And when he came down off of that hill, the Bible says that his face glowed with the glory of God for days after that. You don't think we're going to glow with the glory of God living in that realm for eternity? Ain't no sun ever shone that bright. The nations shall walk by its light and the rulers and the leaders of the earth shall bring into it their glory and its gates shall never be closed by day and there shall be no night and they shall bring the glory the splendor and the majesty and the honor of the nations into it but nothing that defiles or profanes or is unwashed shall ever turn your neighbor say ever enter into it nor anyone 
who commits abominations, unclean, detestable, morally repugnant things, or practices falsehood, but only those whose names are recorded in the Lamb's book of life. I'm, I'm down to the end. I got just one little bit I got to finish. In verse 25, you remember when we started this journey on Sunday evening. Whenever Adam and Eve sinned so that they did not eat of the tree of life, God stationed a cherubim before the gate, and he locked it and he closed it. And he removed Adam and Eve from that garden. Remember that? You see here in verse 25, I just read it, and its gates shall never be closed. He's given us free access to that tree, to everything that heaven has, because we've been redeemed. Because that was our home all along. God's intent was that man would never fall. He made us to have intimacy with him and to have fellowship and communion with him. But because of Adam's sin, he needed a redeemer. And knowing that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth. Jesus was not God's second plan. He was the first plan all along. In Revelation chapter 22. We finish here, it says, Then he showed me the river whose waters give life, sparkling like crystal, flowing out from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the broadway of the city also on either side of the river was the tree of life with its 12 varieties of fruit. And I believe that because even those of us that are here today, we're all descendants of Abraham. The 12 tribes, they represent all the peoples of the world. Not one of us are left out. Not any tribe, not any tongue, not any nation, not any color, not any race. That's why I hate even the talk of racism. Because that's not God's plan. And if you love Jesus, you know that's not God's plan. That is an earthly an abomination, and a way the enemy continues to bring confusion and hate and stir strife. Yielding each month its fresh crop, and the leaves of the trees were from the healing, were for the healing and the restoration of the nations. There shall no longer, verse 3, exist there anything that is accursed, detestable, foul, offensive, impure, hateful, or horrible. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants, you ready, shall worship him, pay homage or honor to him, and do him holy service. We are rehearsing for what we're going to do for all of eternity. If you don't like to serve down here, you ain't going to like serving up there. Come on, somebody. I'm just being as honest as I can. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. And there shall be no more night. They have no need for a lampstand or sunlight, for the Lord God will illuminate them and be their light, 
and they shall reign as kings forever and ever through the eternities of the eternities. Verse 14, blessed, happy, to be envied are those who cleanse their garments that they may have the authority and right to approach the tree of life to enter through the gates into the city. If you're born again, you're a, you carry the presence of God. I'm not here to argue, you know, security of the believer, and, and I'm not going to argue with you. But let me just say it this way. If you declare Jesus to be your Lord, there, be, there better be action behind it. It's not, Lord, I'm sorry I got caught. No, Lord, I ask you to forgive. You know, those of you that are parents, when your kids are sorry they got caught, there's not an ounce of repentance anywhere. That's the worst kind. When I see a repentant heart, that's when grace and mercy comes. But you get belligerent and you cop an attitude, I'm probably going to jail. I've mellowed a lot. But there's something about when we come into the presence of the Lord, then we begin to check our hearts. And we begin to allow the Holy Spirit of God to cleanse the garments. Clean us from the inside out so that I know that I stand before Him holy and pure. That there's nothing between me and my worship to Him. And there's no reason why He will not meet me with every need that I have. How many parents do we have? How many of you will put whatever you have in the hands of your children because you love them? Yes, we will. Our Heavenly Father is no different. But He wants to see that we, 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 we are thankful, that we are grateful, and there's an, there's an action to, to our, our worship, an action to, to what He's done for us. But without, but without are the dogs and those who practice sorcery, magic arts, and purity, the lewd adulterers and the murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and deals in falsehood, untruth, error, and deception, cheating. I, Jesus, have sent my messenger and the angel of the Lord to you to witness and to give you assurance. He's talking to John, the revelator. Of these things for the churches, the assemblies. I am the root, the source, and the offspring of David. The radiant and brilliant morning star. The Holy Spirit and the bride, the church, the true Christians say come. And let him who, listen, who is listening say come. And let everyone come who is thirsty, who is painfully conscious of his need of those things by which the soul is refreshed, supported, and strengthened. And whoever earnestly desires to do it, let him come, take, appropriate, and drink. Come to the water and drink. 
come to the water and drink, and your soul will delight in the richest affair, an English term, when you come to the water and drink. In Revelation chapter 22 and verse 14, we see that we now have the right to enter into that holy place. Those who've cleansed their garments, they have the authority and the right to approach the tree of life and to enter through the gates into the city. God has removed the guard or the cherubim, and we have free access. The first message that we ever did on worship was out of John 4, verses 23 and 24. A time will come. And the time is here today when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. I say it like this. It's not just a touch. It's a change. When you come in here, I know the power of worship. I can begin to lift my voice and my wife begins to play. And the atmosphere begins to change. I didn't ask God to do that, but He knows that my heart is pure. He knows that we're submitted to His will. And then He does His part by using us as a vessel to impart to you what it is to be a worshiper. And the benefits that come to you from living this life of worship. It changes everything. Makes you a better son. It'll make you a better husband. Better businessman. It touches everything. Better father one of these days. Better grandfather. Great grandfather. Jesus Terry. We are free to worship. I'm not bound to rules and regulations. Not under the law of bulls and goats. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And He has sent His power through God the Holy Spirit to infuse Himself on the inside of me. When God shows up, not just a little bit comes, but the same power that was at creation when God said, Light be, shows up. That's why it doesn't matter what you're dealing with, sickness, disease, whatever it is, he has the authority and the power to come and in an instant make it brand new. So delight when you come to the water and drink. Let's just stand our feet.